0: Okay. Hello, Nines. Welcome to um, a podcast for those of you who have picked Treasure Island for your analytical texts in Term 3. I'm joined today by Matt Dunn, who is a former English teacher and is now a uh, um, employee of the um, department um, and has many interesting things to say about the works of Robin Lewis Stevenson. We just did a podcast about Jekyll and Hyde and now we're here talking about Treasure Island. Hello Matt. Hello Shane. Hello you nines. Great All to right. be here. So Matt, my first question, you know, Treasure Island it stands out from our other two tech, other Victorian texts with Jane Eyre and Frankenstein. Uh, but there's some crossover in the sense that I think all three texts go on an all three in all three texts a protagonist goes on an adventure. Um, but more so in this text, Jim Hawkins, a teenage boy, gets thrown into the deep end. <laughs> oh my it begins kids it begins that's the only only ocean related thing I'll make um pun I'll yeah make. right uh, um and we go on to this adventure uh with Jim a teenage boy so why is this story in Treasure Island such a popular children's tale
1: oh this is a great question and I think it has a lot to do with agency you know, Jim Hawkins in this story is essentially a kid. But what he's able to do, the changes he's able to have on the story, the amount of times that people listen to him and care about his opinion and kind of almost let him lead is a lot. And that agency, I think, was a big part of Robert Louis Stevenson writing for for children. He wanted to write a story, I think, when where kids could see the narrator and the protagonist, Jim Hawkins, he actually does stuff. He doesn't just get told to take a back seat, stay at home while the adult's sorted out. He's sort of allowed to participate and through that he makes a big difference on the story.
0: Mm. And is this story a story just for boys during this time period? <sighs>
1: I think it's hard to say anything other than, than yes, but, you know, uh, this is a time where, you know, education standards are really different between boys and girls uh, and men and women. It's a time where we are seeing increased female agency and empowerment. And there are some sort of really early waves of um, what later becomes movements of feminism are kind of picking up at about the time this is written, but, This does appear to have been at the time, I think really clearly, a story written for boys. But, you know, it's not the 1800s anymore. And although the protagonist is not a young girl, I think it would be a bit unfair to suggest that the idea of having an adventure, of travel, of being taken seriously, of affecting a change in the world, that's not just for boys. So although maybe some of the uh you know gender within the characters kind of reads as I think very fairly old-fashioned we we shouldn't pretend that boys have a monopoly over having a, a good fun adventure and growing up through going away and doing something kind of fun and cool
0: Yeah, definitely, and I think that's um, important, especially for a contemporary audience. It's the way we read it. And, you know, the National Theatre in London have recently staged this, and Jim Hawkins was a girl um, and not a young boy travelling. So we look at this... um, Jim Hawkins going on this adventure and he goes through what I would call a lot of um, trials and tribulations or rites of passages to I guess that makes someone turn from a boy to a man Um, So, and we talked a lot about this idea that this is um, a this idea of romanticism and you know I think for students romanticism they often think of oh it's just romantic and that's not exactly what we mean because obviously there is um, we're not talking about a queer romance in this text at all so what do we mean when we say romanticism Um, Mr Mm. Dunn? Well isn't that one of the most
1: frustrating things about English we have the most words of any language in the world and yet we still have the same words for really different things so, you know, being romantic is being in love and and I'm sure everyone's familiar with that. But romanticism was an artistic movement and romanticism is um, a lot about the idea that someone can have heightened emotions, really care uh, and in their individual action, make a big change and Another way of thinking of romanticism, this is a little bit simplistic, but it'll help you a lot if you're a bit confused. It's like having rose-coloured glasses. It's If you imagine or you have a daydream, I'm going to go on the adventure. I'm going to do it all. I'm going to get all the treasure. I'm going to beat the bad guys. It's going to be me, me, me. I'm going to do it and it's going to be great and everyone's going to see it. And it's a really romantic idea. It's unrealistic. It's really about you or an individual kind of doing it all and um, that's really different from love isn't it you know it's kind of frustrating that these things are so similar in terms of words but actually really different in terms of meaning and in in Treasure Island we see it you know Jim Hawkins like let's let's be really blunt about it I mean he's he's what 14 or 15 something like this in what world does a 14 or 15 year old take on a bunch of pirates outnumbered in a place he's never been um, and they're bloodthirsty, they're merciless, they'll do everything from put a hit on someone to, you know, commit awful mutiny, and and yet he comes out the victor without really hurting or killing anyone, and rich. I mean, it's it's such a romantic story because of how overemphasised, you know, this kind of individual rise to glory kind of is.
0: Yeah, and I, I think... You know, I was going to say um, a Spider-Man is obviously the most current iteration of going on an adventure and succeeding as a young teenage boy um, with superpowers. <laughs> no, but, you know,
1: it's it's not that different from like, you know, like Hunger Games and um, God, what was the other one that was like the Hunger Games but, but more religious, divergent? It's like, I mean, you can see those as really romantic things yeah. where young people are given... A type of a um opportunity they would never have and kind of rise to the top and take on the whole of society and win not just the competition but the world and it's a great story but it's really romantic.
0: And you know I think there's a real purpose to that as well you know we're thinking about um Britain at this time period and colon- you know the great empire and colonialism that really it is a you know, if you're going to travel the world, bad things can't happen to you. And if we think about it as a children's story, um, I think Stevenson is really encouraging and putting forth that Um, young women and men should go and adventure to go through these it's the only way to become a man is to go through these trial and tribulations and perhaps the only way to experience them experience these is not within our country but to go on adventure and to seek adventure so that you can experience sort of um maybe not pirates and being on a ship and things like that but there are definitely rites of passages that happen to Jim you know such as grieving um and having to make Big moral decisions about what is right and wrong—that um, that it can only happen if you put yourself outside of your comfort zone um, and travel—and um, I think really that is the heart of Treasure Island here.
1: Definitely, and I think Treasure Island is—is is it's a really looking at it, you know, in um, 2022, it's a really bizarre situation <clears throat> because Robert Louis Stevenson had a really had a really uneasy relationship with the British Empire. You know, we'll probably talk towards the end of this podcast about his relationship to kind of islands and the sea. And he really became despondent, upset and critical of what England was doing um, in some of its colonies. He saw it as kind of evil and um, a tragedy. So when you look at Treasure Island, it's not a story that's like, go support the colonial empire, go take on, you know, the unwashed hordes of of Africa or Asia and win us territory. It's not that clear. But in it is this really pervasive idea that colonialism needed, which was if you want to become a man, go overseas, you know. And that was kind of this myth that was really pervasive and exciting at the time in England, that if you really want to grow up, take a gun, go sign up for the military, go sign up for you know, the imperial police and go overseas and you'll be put to the test, you'll have all those experiences that you alluded to, Shane, and you'll come back and people will look at you and they'll think, what a man, You know, what a grown-up, this is someone we can respect, this is someone who has a place in our society. And I think it's really hard to overemphasise how seductive that can be how much the idea that if you just go and do this one thing, suddenly you've got a new place in society and all that kind of adulthood that maybe looks attractive, all that, you know, power and agency that adults can appear to have to young people, you can have it too. And that is so although this isn't a story about colonialism directly, you can see that myth of going overseas to become a member of society You can see that in here, Um, even though I don't think Stevenson is sort of writing about it very Mm. meaningfully or accurately. It It is just there.
0: And you know, and I think we still, to a degree, you know, um, Matt and I, we both went to um, the University of Melbourne, um, and you, you you can see that the idea of going overseas is part of that rite of passage of being at uni, and that's how you get to know more, and that's when, but people want to talk about. So, you know, I think that that notion of having to travel overseas to kind of get experience isn't a dead concept or philosophy um, in contemporary society, maybe not in COVID society, but um, even pre-COVID, this idea that finding yourself lies somewhere in the depths of the world. And I think um, I think this narrative um, is part of that um, sort of agenda there.
1: And I should say, I mean, there is, you know, we don't want to be cynical. There is some truth da, da. to that. You know, as you pointed out, this adventure forces Jim to grow and learn and, and it's not easy. It's not pleasant, but it is meaningful and and it does, I think, you know, some of the modern things about travel, you know, you you travel to sort of push yourself a little bit out of your comfort zone and to see how everyone else lives and what that means, you know, that's about perspective and about growth.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we talked about um, perhaps there's not so explicitly about, you know, um, yay the empire. What are, what do we think, stevenson is concerned like what is are like, you know into to use um you know english terminology what are the big ideas and issues that are within the text that the students should be looking out for when trying to find quotes and trying to unpack it for themselves i think
1: um there's probably two or three that really jump out to me and one that maybe not everyone would agree with, Is I think a lot of the book is learning how to navigate other people. You know, this is an adventure, not a solo adventure. It's an adventure where Jim learns somebody he is really taken with who seems really lovely and trustworthy is actually a villain and, and the nastiest villain of all. There's a really big amount of learning that comes from that that betrayal. And there's also a big learning in terms of, you know, who do you trust and what, is it, what does it mean to kind of put yourself in other people's hands and, and need to trust other people as well to get through something. So I think a, a component of the story, a component of that coming of age and growing up is the way that Jim eventually starts relating to people around him through, you know, those good and bad experiences with other people. I think another really big idea in this story is the idea that growth happens when you're away from home. It's a really black and white, you know, kind of view that Stevenson's put in this story, that if you want to grow up, if you really want to become, you know, a more capable version of who you are, you've got to leave your house. You've got to go out and do something and do something hard. I understand that he actually was quite intentional about that. I saw something that he'd written about this book, which was he was hoping that it would just inspire all these kids, you know, to think about, you know, things like adventure and and buccaneering. And it's worth reminding everyone, like, this isn't a story about people at the time. You know, this kind of era of piracy wasn't, you know, it was kind of done by mm. the time that Robbie Louis Stevenson was writing this. So it's really, it's not, you know, a documentary. He's trying to get people excited about the idea of leaving home and going on some grand, you know, adventure. And he doesn't lie to people. You know, he, he says that it's going to be hard and it's going to be tough sometimes, but that's how you become more capable.
0: Yeah, and I think think one of the interesting things to me is the character of Long John Silver as well, that, you know, who is presenting to Jim a lot of, I guess, moral conflicts and ethical conflicts. Um, But Long John Silver, you know, we call him, you know, he's a villain, but he has this, like, innate soft spot for Jim as well, um, which is quite interesting. And I think, you know, part of that, you know, I I like that idea of um, that this book is really about, um, sort of navigating other people but also what can we learn from other people as well and I think mm. you know with t- taking that idea of adventure you know we can't just discount um, Long John Silver as a notorious villain that um, Jim can't learn anything from um, It's that's incorrect because Jim actually learns quite a bit from his yeah. interactions with Long John Silver um, and even talking to him so I think that there is um, that idea yeah travel the world get to know people learn how to work with other people, um, that it's, you know, I've, yeah, I think that's a really good perspective. You know, it's not just about relationships, you know, and one of the past say, questions for this is about um, explores friendships. And really mm. to answer that question really well is that this It's about friendship gets formed through shared experiences and learning from each other and respect. And I think Jim goes on that sort of adventure with all those people. And I think, you know, that idea that he is quite naive at the beginning and he doesn't have a formal education. And I think that's really important that that stands out to us because some students here would watch Treasure Planet and that Jim Hawkins is quite, is learned, right? Whereas... Jim here doesn't actually have a big formal education. And I think part of the agenda, Stevenson may be even hinting that you could probably learn a lot from being in the world rather than that idea of, I guess, um, education in their sense during that time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you said a lot of good things there. And I think the idea that, you know, something unpleasant is actually a form of growth. You know, there's so many examples of that in this story from the relationship with um, Long John So but just the idea that, of getting on a boat and going halfway across the world to the, to the initial scuffle between the pirates at the inn and how that just sort of blows open this whole world that Jim didn't know about at all. I mean, that kind of fight, I mean, it's stressful and unusual, but it, it expands the world.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's a very fun scene in Muppets Treasure Island. I highly recommend the Muppets interpretation of this. Not accurate.
1: Yeah, honestly, I feel it's the better one.
0: (laughs) It's better than Treasure um, Planet, I think.
1: Um, It's a a delightful movie all around.
0: Unconditionally recommended to all. (laughs) Um, But definitely do not write about Miss Piggy in your essays, please. is there anything else that we want to cover for the Year 9s? Because I think we've got with them a, a good starting point to sort of discover more of the text. Um, are there any last words you want to say, Matt, about this book?
1: I think that the only other things that I've been thinking about are Robert Louis Stevenson was quite an unwell person. He had a, a few childhood illnesses. And towards the end of his life, he only lived to be, I think, 50 or 55 he actually ended up living in Samoa for the last you know, five or 10 years of his life. And you can see in this book that he has this real love of the ocean and of islands and of the tropics. And it's interesting to see how that played out. Um, if you're ever in Samoa, you can actually walk to the cabin where he lived his last few years. And he seemed to have a real genuine and rare love of, of the people of Samoa. He didn't want them to change or, You know, become more British or anything like that, which were quite popular ideas at the time. So, in a way, you know, for Robbie Louis Stevenson, this is a really genuine book. I mean, I think he really believes in adventure. He really believes in, you know, the beauty of these spaces and um, the enjoyment that you can get and how it can make you feel giddy and energized and childlike. And I think at the time in his life where he needed to be the most safe and the most healthy. He ended up in a tropical island after a really long ocean voyage. So, you know, there's nothing but his DNA in every part of this.
0: Yeah, thanks, Beth. That's a really beautiful end to sort of unpacking this work. So, you know, it's hopefully this has been an um, insightful podcast for you um, and that it sends you on a journey to discover Um, more about the text and to start mining for those quotes, for evidence of the things that we said, and for you to also apply your own lens to sort of looking at what this text is about. All right. Thanks, Matt. Hello, Shane.